listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95, where we will be discussing fan theories. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And Amanda is caring for an infant. <laughs> We're just going to say something equally awkward every episode until she comes back. This is just... This is this true. This is how we live life now. You can count on yep. me. Yep. To make it awkward. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, so Robin, how was your week? Oh my God, it was like the best. It was the most to say the least. Right? The very least. Jesus. My sweet, sweet child got um covid from daycare and he's a giver so he decided to share the love with everybody in our family apart from my daughter so we've been doing that fun since like tuesday and it's it's been fun it's been great wow although i will say um i i think he got exposed not that you care but i'm gonna tell you because details my dear Details. Well, it, you you turn on I'm, your investigative brain when you hear someone was exposed. Yep. You're like, wait, now I got to. <laughs> so he got exposed either the second or third, which is a Tuesday or Wednesday at daycare. Mm-hmm. And he started showing symptoms on Saturday, but his only symptom was a runny, like a stuffy uh-huh. nose. He didn't have a fever. He didn't have a cough, anything. He hasn't had that the entire time. He was a little bit more tired than normal, but we got him up to go to school mm-hmm. And he's a night owl, so he's usually tired when he comes home from school anyway. So we sent him to school on Tuesday, the 9th. And then we found out that they had a bunch of cases because there was like no kids there when we dropped him off. So I was like, well, he's not really sick. He just has a stuffy nose. But I guess if it's going around, I might as well test him, right? I don't want to like be a jerk and like take him everywhere and he's positive. Yeah, so he I'm like, didn't ah. have a st- he got a stuffy nose on Saturday when he over the weekend. You're like, eh, we should probably check. But he always, like, he's literally, like, this kid has allergies. He's always congested. Right. It's, he it's was congested so all summer it's long. cold and flu season. Like, it's yeah. so hard. To it be wasn't like, anything out of the ordinary. Like you you clear your throat and you're like, ah, do I have it? Like, uh-huh. it's so hard. Well, so we went to Walgreens and just got one of the rapid, like, antigen uh-huh. tests at home. And we tested him and everybody else. And he was positive and everybody else was negative. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that took me by surprise. Like, I just figured, like, let's test to rule out or whatever. So then I emailed his doctor and they asked us to come in to do a a PCR test. And so I was like, well, if we're going to do him, like I might as well do my daughter and I because like why go to the doctor twice or whatever. So all three of us got tests. I tested positive and they swabbed me before I had symptoms. Okay. But my symptoms started that night, which would be um, Wednesday the 10th. Mm -hmm. So it's been one, two, three, four, five days. It's Sunday now. And... I feel like 90% better. That's good. I sound horrible, but my face isn't hurting. Um, I didn't wake up with, because I had a low-grade fever. I didn't wake up with a fever. I have kind of a slight like tickle in my throat, but it's not a cough. It's not anything. I never really, I had body aches one day, and they were very, very, very mild. So um, even though we did have a breakthrough case i'm really fortunate and happy that we decided to get vaccinated because i um was reading because i'm trying to like you know how it is like i'm a hypochondriac (laughs) psa if you didn't know (laughs) 
And so I'm trying to research like, okay, what does the symptoms look like? What should I look out for? What should I do this? Everything. And a lot of things were saying <laughs> two weeks is how long it takes yeah. to get better. Yeah. And I'm knock on wood, knock on fake desk wood from Amazon. I have real wood I'm knocking on right now. That um, I'm not going to do that thing where you get better and then you get dramatically worse. Um, but a lot of people were saying like it takes, you know, seven to two weeks, seven days to two weeks mm-hmm. and I feel better already. And I don't think I would be feeling that way yeah. had I not got vaccinated. Yeah. So, yeah. uh-huh. Well, and we like idiots, it's still stressful. like we... <laughs> We had no Tylenol in our house. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I couldn't alternate. Yeah. Because we, um, not that you care, but I keep ibuprofen to have it, but we take Tylenol first. Uh-huh. Um, so I had to like do a Fred Meyer pickup and like open the back of my car yep. to make sure that like I was away mm-hmm. or whatever. And then just like have them throw it in the back so we could alternate. And once we were able to alternate Tylenol and ibuprofen, I, my face finally stopped hurting. That's good. Yeah. Because that was the main thing. I had like a facial migraine. I don't know what else to explain it. Like my teeth hurt and like no amount of ibuprofen every six hours or whatever was helping right. that. It was not. It was bad news bears. Okay. But I can't smell anything, which Ooh, is weird. That is weird. Well, because it affects your And taste, it's weird. Right? Yeah. So I can taste slightly like really um, dramatic flavors, which I know sounds weird. But like we ha- I made soup yesterday mm-hmm. and um, my husband was like, this is so salty. <laughs> like, what did you do? And I was like, well, I tasted it and it was fine to me. <laughs> so just like trying to clog arteries over here. And then as so like the weird part is so I felt bad. And when I'm sick, I like to take a bath mm-hmm. and I'm fortunate enough that although I don't have like a soaking tub, I have a fairly large bathtub. Mm-hmm. So it's like my go-to. So I have these um, like lavender Epsom salts, mm-hmm. right? So I opened the bag and I threw it into the bath and I was like sitting there and I was like, oh, man, this these generic salts must suck. <laughs> like I can't smell them at all. Like this is crazy. Like these things suck. Target sucks. <laughs> and I was, I was sitting there. I was like... Moron you know what? Like when I was making dinner, I was accidentally burning the handle of a pot and I could tell cause it was like making that cracking noise. And Omar was like, what's burning? And I was like, Oh, this is just too close. And I couldn't smell it burning, but I touched it to make sure it was hot. So it was. And then I was like, Oh, that's weird. I couldn't, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I couldn't smell that pot burning. I can't smell the bathtub. Like, after a I wonder if I lost COVID my sense test. of smell. Hold on. This is after a positive COVID test. Oh, it's like three. It's like it's um, two days after a positive <laughs> test. Love you. And so then my dog, I just start, I'm going to start smelling everything, right? I can't smell the soap. I try to smell some acetone nail polish. I'm like smelling Bath and Body Works candles. I'm just like, dude, I'm going to like pass out. It's just smelling a bunch of chemicals, trying to figure out what I can't smell. Dude, I'm just like, oh my god. Okay, I have a question for you because I tried to say this. So, you know how sometimes you have things that you do that you just don't ever talk about 
to anybody just because like it's just not something that is a topic of conversation right and like there's like these little things and sometimes you'll see like a meme about it or like a tumblr post about it and you're like oh my god i do that same thing so last night i had taken my hair down because my hair was up because i had a pottery class my hair is very short right now so in order to keep it up (laughs) there is a lot of bobby pins there's a lot of pulling there's a bandana involved it's it's there's a lot so i took it down you know when you take down your hair you're like oh but i had had a headache all day and so i'm like rubbing my head and you know like just stimulating the blood flow and get the tingles and like all the way down your your temples and stuff and so for me i get tingles like all the way down to like my top jaw like my gums start to tingle when like i start to relax and because i'm a a jaw clencher like when I relax and like I'm like rubbing my head and everything, my teeth kind of feel like they're floating. And I accidentally said this to Jason, and Jason's like, "What the fuck are you on?" <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "No, I'm like, this is why I don't tell people what goes on in my brain because it sounds fucking crazy." <laughs> I'm like, "If my, like um, my teeth are floating," <laughs> I got you. I could see that. My, um, I have dandruff mm-hmm. really bad. Same. I always have, as you know. Yeah. Um, like psoriasis on my scalp. I get like, like patches and stuff. Okay. Well, every once in a while, like I can usually go like a week to two weeks without washing my hair and it's uh-huh. fine. But every once in a while something changes and my dandruff really builds up. So I have to wash it more right. often. And then it takes conscious effort to get into the habit. Yeah. When you've like, I've washed my hair weekly for like nine years right. so it's hard to get out of the habit to do that so i'm in a cycle right now where i need to wash it more often to kind of get mm-hmm. you know whatever so i keep forgetting and when that happens my scalp gets really 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 sensitive uh-huh. so like when you bump it it hurts really bad and so i was telling, i was like my hair hurts yeah. <laughs> my husband's like it doesn't i was like i know it's not my scalp but it's my hair. I, I know it's my scalp, but it's my hair. It feels like my hair. My hair well, hurts. Well, because it's Leave like a alone. follicle hurts. Yes. So, and it hurts like inside your yeah. brain, like in your skull. Yeah. And then when you move and your hair. And the thing that makes it, it, it feel better feel is like rubbing it, yeah. but it hurts. Yeah. It's a thing. It's totally a thing. So I was at work the other day and I got um, a coworker of mine bought us a burrito, which was like really nice. And another coworker and I split mm-hmm. it. And. Um, oh my god, I forgot. I can't believe I didn't tell you this. What? It was been haunting my nightmares. What? Okay. So he was like, Do you want anything from this restaurant or whatever? And I was like, Do you have PayPal? Can I just send you money? Because that's what like Amanda and yeah. I do when we go out to lunch together. Like Yeah. Cause it's it's hard to take cards and like cash or yeah, whatever. No, it's just easier. And so one of us will just yeah. buy it <clears throat> and then we'll PayPal the money or whatever. And he's like, no, I don't. Like, I'll just buy it for you. Oh. And I'm in an awkward position because it's kind of, he's not my direct supervisor, but he's like a boss. And I don't want him to think that I'm like, oh, yeah, you make so much money. You can buy my right. lunch or whatever. And so then I felt bad. And so he asked this other coworker if he wanted anything. And I was like, he, I said what I wanted. And he was just like, yeah, I guess that sounds good. And I was like, well, let's just split it. Because uh-huh. it was a chili rano burrito. So I knew they were going to be kind of bigger or whatever. And so then he went to go get the food and he came back. And he went into my coworker's office first uh-huh. and then came into my office and dropped a bag in, and then went into his office. And so my coworker came in and was like, oh, he got two. Mm-hmm. 
And so in my head, I was just like, oh, he must have dropped off a bag in his office. And even though we said we'd split it, he must have just bought our own. No, what he meant was there were two items in the bag that was on my desk. And I didn't realize it. So I just started eating the burrito. And he came in with a plate and he was like, aren't we going to split that? <gasps> oh, my God. I was so embarrassed. I was just like, when you said do, I thought it was because he put a bag on you and then on me. And I didn't realize it's like, so I texted him when he left the office because I couldn't tell him to his face. And I was like, this is going to be one of those moments that keeps me up at night for the next 20 years. I'm going to be thinking about how I was eating the burrito when I didn't cut it in half. Because I misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there so was not clear enough said, communication. Yes. Yes. Yep. So the the top of the Edo, the burrito was eaten and then I had to cut it. So I had both oh, ends of an oh open burrito no. and no hair tie. Oh, no. So what I did was I took those sunglass prescriptions and I put them on my hair and flipped them back like it was a little makeshift headband. Uh-huh. And it made me realize how much I missed doing that with regular sunglasses. <laughs> That was at a point into the context column because I love having just that fake headband. You flipped them up to have the fake uh, headband so you could properly eat this double-ended burrito that... Yeah, and I had to keep my regular glasses on because I needed to be able to see otherwise I'd get a headache. I fucking love you. It was a whole look. It was a vibe. You're such a weirdo. Oh my God. Okay. You want to talk about awkward experiences? So I went to a pottery class yesterday. It was super fun. I've never gotten to throw clay before. It was very, very exciting. Um, and so how, how am I going to, okay. So this was a assignment from my therapist <laughs> Oh, okay. to, to specifically just go out and do something by myself. Like put myself out there in the space of other humans and not in my home. <laughs> and I don't like, um, as I've gotten older, I don't like doing things alone. Like I just, my social anxiety is just like super bad. And I just fucking hate talking to people. Cause I, I just always fuck it up. And so this was like a big step for me. Like I drove all the way out there by myself and did the whole thing by myself, which is not something that would, be weird for me to do in my 20s necessarily I mean I probably would have done it with a friend but Mm -hmm. I was much more um social I've I've like regressed socially in the last like three and a half years (laughs) but um so so like I went and there was two other girls that were there together um and me so it was just three of us in this class and the potter oh that's nice and yeah small. the pot the the dude who owned the uh who owns the um what is it called studio studio yes. um you know he was demonstrating and everything and i i didn't like introduce myself to these people right like like the the, the teacher yes like when i when i walked in but like i didn't introduce myself to the other students Right. But like, well, especially if they were friends, like, why would you get involved? Right. Exactly. Like, like now my husband would automatically introduce himself to everybody in the room, like, and shake their hand because that's who he is in his life. That is not me. (laughs) So I didn't introduce myself or anything, but like, you know, camaraderie, we were all sitting in a line next to each other. And, you know, as we were working, we're like, oh, that looks really good. Or, you know, I, I, I fucked up 
uh, one of them and like shit went flying and I got splashed. And so I'm, I'm cackling, laughing and they're laughing. You know, there was that. So the right. end of the thing, I finished early. And so the end of like the, the class or whatever, there was like, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And he's like, okay, you guys are free to go. I chatted with the, with the guy for a little bit. He was telling me about like their other classes and things like that. And then I was like, okay, bye. And then I just, I said bye to the, the, this, the guy who owns the studio. And then I just like walked out awkwardly. Like, I know I probably should have like waved or something, but like, I didn't think about that until I was like already pushing open the door. And then I'm like, it's too late. Just, just go away and don't make eye contact. Right. You've already made your decision. You're too far past. Exactly. We've passed the point of no return. But all that. All that being said, and yes, that's very cringy. And yes, I did think about it at night, (laughs) you know, but I feel like overall that was a pretty successful outing. I didn't embarrass myself too bad, you know, and it was baby steps, right? Baby steps. I I got out of my comfort zone. You're like, last time I went out by myself, I had to do CPR. Fuck, dude. Yes. (laughs) You know what? That might be part of it. <laughs> like, and all Slightly. the awkward that came after it. Just like, no. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, obviously, I'm very happy that I was there and was able to help, but. Oh, of course. But, but yeah, like, Jesus Christ. No. No, no saving lives yesterday. Just awkwardly running away from people who could potentially be friends <laughs> yeah but then you'd have to like eh. i probably would have just stood the bye yeah. just the, yeah. the silent <laughs> oh. maybe they thought you said bye to them when you said bye to the class instructor. maybe or maybe they never thought about me at all which is probably more likely yeah, they were there with a friend if if it was like as like two individual like, solos yeah Sure. Yeah, maybe. But since they were a group, I don't think they care. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you're like forgettable or something. I just, I, I wouldn't. Worry I about strive it. to be forgettable. <laughs> that is the highest achievement I could achieve. Just, whew, I was never here. My middle name is Wallflower. <laughs> well, I. I'm not with my friends, like with, with my people that I'm comfortable with. I'm that like loud, annoying, like gregarious one. But when I'm not around my people, please call me a mouse and leave me the fuck alone. And don't move my cheese, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Okay. We should probably cut the chit chat and not kick things off with the Robin's recap because nope. we're not doing that. This is downworld or dish unscripted, baby. Let's get into and we're, it. Um, full of spoilers. So, so the first thing, so last week, um, we talked about, um, feminism and equality and representation in literature and the shadow hunters books. And we had a very like rambling conversation that hit a lot of places, but not every place. Um, so if you were able to keep up with that, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And it was two hours long. Mind you, I cut an hour, like 
raw raw footage raw footage that was like three hours of (laughs) rambling and I somehow made it not I I it's not quite coherent but better than it could have been Okay, so let's get to some of our feedback from last week's episode. Wrap that up um, before we jump into this week's uh, topic. Okay, so we got to write in about last week's episode from Anton, who has written in before. We appreciate your input. Keep t- keep talking to us. We like it. <laughs> Regarding this week's episode, there is a story in Tales from Shadowhunter Academy uh, from the perspective of from the perspective of Robert Lightwood, focusing on the events surrounding his parapetite, Michael Whelan, coming out to him, where we see where we do see teenage ver- versions of the circle. So, yes, I do remember this um, from Tales of the Shadowhunter, and I, I totally spaced it last week when we were talking about this stuff because of that, that whole thing with Robert and Michael was a really big deal. And I remember reading it and, like, because I... In the beginning of the books, I really didn't like Robert. And then reading that, I really didn't like him e- like even more. But then, like, seeing how regretful he was and, like, as an older, like, you know, many decades older man with children of his own and, like, how that played into his, um, you know, struggles with accepting Alec and and like just not knowing how to do this and you know as time go time went on through like the especially like when um Alec and Magnus uh um adopt baby Max and everything and like you can see Maris and Robert like just not like just being so excited but like just not knowing how to like function in this world that is just so foreign to them like they don't know what to say what's okay to say they're trying so hard to be like you know better but they just don't know how and I Uh I definitely like we've all seen that right we've we've all seen that person that's just like I'm trying so like just flop sweat like I'm trying I don't know what I'm doing help me because it's realistic and it it makes sense you know people especially you know talking about like people that are like our parents age right so um how they grew up and how the world has changed from you know the 60s the 70s the 80s you know all the way up until now like things have evolved and changed so much and there's always going to be people that are like haven't caught up and or or like caught up in ideology, but like don't know any of the lingo, right? Like they're 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 uh-huh. still they're still out there saying, you know, well, I was gonna say saying things are dope, but that has now come back around because <laughs> that was an old thing, and now it's <laughs> oh, I don't know, but I I do I I regret that we didn't we didn't cover that, but I'm I'm glad uh, Anton wrote in and reminded us. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, he also mentioned that, you know, we do get to see Stephen Herondale in the Ghost of the Shadow Market, that little clip with uh Celine and Steven and and um the wicked ones is is what the, the short story is called. Um and he mentions that uh it's implied that Stephen had only heard about Tessa as a rumor about his family. But Jem confirmed it in that story, like, 
greatly to Steven's distaste because he was like anti-downworlder. So I uh-huh. think that better aligns. I think Marcus, Steven's father, was the break. Or at some time, Owen, Marcus's father, James and uh, whoever, yeah, James's son, right? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. It <clears throat> says Cordelia, but we don't fucking know. We don't know nothing. It's all a lie. Right. They did. They did a. They did a twenty-three in me, and it's all a fucking lie. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite. If it's the one I'm thinking, no, I think this is Stevens Celeste's short story in Ghost of the Shadow Market is probably my favorite. I. I think it's in the same one. I think one. it might be in the same one. I think you're right. Okay, so here's the here's the PSA, yeah. public service announcement. I listened to Ghost of the Shadow Market because I put, like, on our Facebook yeah. group as a, an overshare. I have too many things going on in my life to be able to sit down and read a book yeah. right now. So I'm just basically doing everything audible. So yeah. when you do that and you read a collection of short stories like that, they all blend oh, together. For sure. Especially in a book like that where it's like there's co-authors and everything. It was just one seamless book for me. So I could be wrong. But I think that might have been in the same story where they're at like the shadow market, obviously. Uh And um, I was going to say Magnus because just Uh so mad. But I think he sees them at the shadow market. Right. Right. Yeah. Because they're there on like a mission. It's like Steven Uh and uh, Celeste. Um, and Michael and Valentine, right? I feel like they're getting something for him, but I don't know if he's there. And she, he, Celeste he is does, younger. Oh, oh, that's right. He does. He meets up with Celeste, and that's when she uh-huh. strikes the deal to get Stephen. Uh huh. Exactly. But we get we get Celeste's backstory, which adds context to why she is the way she is, and uh huh. You know. Because everything's about context, yeah. right? Um, yeah, but I, I really like that story. I do. I, I love I love the vibe of it. Like it's got a different like flavor to it that I just really dig. It's just a good I don't know. I, I dig it. I'm like Paris in the eighties, let's do it, baby. I like it. I know, and then all I can think of is Bo Baxon. So I'm probably saying that wrong. The oh Institute. Or whatever from Harry Potter. It's in the back of my head the entire time. <laughs> um. Oh, wh- uh, one thing. Okay. Oh, and then um, Anton also said something um, that I thought was really a good thing to, to know. Um, he says, quote, Magnus was the first bisexual character I ever read about. And as a bi guy, uh, he was so important to me. I love the way Cassie keeps stepping up her representation game. Uh, so I 100% agree. I don't think... I, I was as as soon as I read that I was like oh wait is Magnus the first bi character I ever read in a book I think he was because I was pretty young um but I, I think he was actually and it's nice that I don't know I just I like the way that Magnus's character opened doors you know because he uh-huh. is so like easily lovable right as a character like you instantly he has charisma like that just leaps off the page and you're like fuck, I know exactly who this is and like 
he's one of those like magnetic characters that just draws people to them. Um, uh huh. Just the same way as a magnetic human would. Yeah, I don't know. I I just thought it was a really good point to make that he was the first one, and I was like, yeah. Like, what about you, Robin? Do you think Magnus was probably the your first? <laughs> did he pop? Did he pop your li- a queer literary uh, cherry? <laughs> you know what's weird? Thinking of, so okay, I again say this every time. It's a preface. I identify as cisgendered and straight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's hard for me to like. It's okay here. This it's gonna sound weird, but it's I didn't even think about it when I read it. Oh yeah, if that makes sense. So it was just a part of who he is as a character, mm-hmm. and so I didn't take the time to be like, oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't, you know. Me either. I, I didn't blah blah blah. Which is probably why I never I never thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, it's just Magnus. But I think that's also uh-huh. a representative of where we were at the time in our lives when we were reading those books. And and uh-huh. who the people in our lives were and how sexually, you know, di- diverse in sexual orientation and as people were, it just, it does, it was very normal to us. Well, and the thing is, the a big part of the storyline is Alex' identity. Right. So you, you focus on that because it's, it's a point of the story. Right. So it's something you talk about or think about or bring up or whatever. Magnus is just stated as a fact. Mm-hmm. And it's not even as a fact. It's just as in, like, you find out he dated Camille. Well, but he – and right? he says – I think in the first book, he says he's a he's a, a free uh, a free-wielding bisexual, I think is what he calls it. Okay. It's like like yeah. how he identifies himself, I think, in the in the first book. Um but but yeah anyway it's more it's like just like a fact it's like a character fact like magnus has cat eyes and he's tall and yeah the, you know and it's not super because he's comfortable in his own skin right he he and feels so, like yeah. an elder gay does that make sense like you know when you meet someone mm-hmm. who's like just been through it and you talk to him and like there's no like they don't have any question they're already like they're like, yes, I'm not a teenager. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not young. I haven't, I'm not still figuring it out. Like this is who I am. And I don't know. He just, he, because of the, his stature as, um, high warlock, I, I feel like he just feels like a person of like, not necessarily authority, but like of rank. Right? Like, he just, he feels uh-huh. more, like, adult in terms of, like, just, like, well, adults are just who they are, and that's who they've always been, and we don't think about them as being full-rounded humans when we're teenagers. Like, I feel like that's how I just put, I was like, yeah, Magnus is cool, but he's, like, figured, his, like, he's just this person that, and I don't really think about. Well, and like I said, there's no, there's no internal struggle for him, so we don't see right. that. The, the children... If you're calling Clary and Jason, all of them children, sure. that he's, you know, involved with or whatever, they're taking it as a fact. Mm-hmm. And then any other opposition from any other main character is going to be the fact that he's a warlock. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to focus on. That's the part that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Valentine or anything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
so it always just like it was just his character so but thinking about it yeah I, I think so mm-hmm. I mean I liked I tend to read a lot of um sci-fi and fantasy and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's all I don't know I I I did one particular one specific thing that I really appreciate about Magnus's character is that um now this is just from like a personal like standpoint because um I know that like you you just like you know clarified or whatever I don't really like I haven't kept up with terminology, honestly, in terms of like trying to identify who I am because I'm married to a man. So I don't really think that like me, like redefining myself for me, that doesn't like I don't need to. Um, But I'm bisexual. I have been my whole life. (laughs) Like I don't, (laughs) you know, Uh but one thing that like specifically growing up in during the time that I grew up in the the area that I grew up in um there was a lot of like I don't know I don't know why but for whatever reason there was a lot of like bi isn't real like in quotations right like there there was a lot of that that mentality like oh you're just like you just don't want to tell people you're gay and I'm like no or it's like you're doing it for clout you're saying that for clout exactly and so it just was prove right, it. It prove just it. wasn't something prove that, like, as I got older, like into my twenties and stuff, it just wasn't something I, I like talked about. I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't care to correct anybody. Like, I just, it, it was just, it was too much. Like, I felt like I had to prove who I was. Like, it was just too much. Um, but one thing that I really appreciate because it's something that I feel weird about when you're bisexual and you end up with someone of the opposite gender, it, there's like this weird, for me, there's been the, the, this weird, like, am I not bi enough? Like, like, I don't know. Like, is that really like, but that's all like toxic messaging and you know, shit like that. Mm hmm. But I really appreciate that we got to see because, you know, we have the benefit of Magnus being old, you know, and him finding the love of his life in, you know, the future and we get to go to the past. Like, I love that we see Magnus like having relationships like with Camille and then with Woolsey Scott. And like, I like that we see both sides of it because for for a long time in media specifically bisexual characters were just like it was just an excuse to like turn somebody gay at least from what I was like the way I was consuming it it was like it was like oh yeah you say they're bi but then like they only ever end up with people that are the same sex as them which is fine but it felt like Uh there wasn't room for somebody who literally played like played both sides of the field like someone who literally might be in you know say two relationships in a row with one gender and then move on to you know another relationship with uh, you know someone else like like it's just I don't know I just really appreciate as looking back on it like obviously I did not have this like foresight when I was reading like initially but Uh as an adult looking back I mean identifying and like not 
I don't want to use the word label like it's bad. Well, so that was like, that was like I, when we were like young. It was like I don't do labels. Like that was like the thing that everyone said. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, but I I think identity. Um, gender identity and everything is more something that people are talking about now than when we were young. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so having a book like this helps somebody that they already have that mindset. Like, kind of like... Like, that's already a conversation that that they've been thinking about, like, and having in their lives. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And so it brings Uh a new perspective. Yeah. And when we we were younger, it just wasn't like a topic really on the no, table. Like yeah. I said, if it was, it was very much like a like how you described yeah. it. So I think it it's a book that that part some of the things as we've talked about have been cringy and did not age well. That's sure. something that has gotten like a fine wine better. Yeah, yeah, no, it it really is, and it I really appreciate how much we dig into these books because I learn a lot about myself and like especially just looking at it through the lens of what what I thought when I was younger versus what I think now as as I'm older and seeing the toxicity of the messaging that uh you know we have gotten throughout our lives from you know just just the way things were when we were younger versus the way things are now and you know seeing that stuff I just I just really appreciate it because I I have learned so much more about myself through this like mm-hmm. analyzing but anyway we spent a lot of time on that our next write-in from last week's episode uh is from Sydney um and Sydney writes in uh oh and <laughs> So Sydney says that uh, they totally disagree uh, with how we uh, view Emma and Julian turning into Nephilim. The, the whole we were like, oh, it's cheesy. They really, really liked it. Um, so Sydney says, quote, I found myself connect- connecting with Emma a lot just because I could understand her frustrations with bigotry, but always wanting to take the high road, but also not. A hundred percent. I do really like that Emma is realistic in the sense like her, her first like instinct is usually pretty selfish. And then she has to be like, no, 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 uh, 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 hold on, hold on. Is that a rash decision? <laughs> like <laughs> what would Christina do? <laughs> really? Let's be honest. Um, her narrative was such a fight between what she wanted to do and what she knew was right. And to me, it was kind of that whole idea of if you use the tactics as the bad guys, even if it's for the right cause, you're no better than them. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. Emma was very much like, you know, right motive, wrong tactics. I should probably not do that. Like destroying the the parapetai room. <laughs> right. I just loved that she was like, she was, Emma is very strong character. Yeah. Like strong willed, strong opinionated. Like she is not getting pushed into the background of anything. Yes. And I appreciate that um, she's the spearhead of the like couple or whatever, like, you know, the, the team in TDA um she's you know she's the point of the spear whereas Julian is like he's preoccupied like he has a family to take care of and children to make sure that they don't die um 
But beside that, he even if he wasn't like that, he wouldn't be in that role. That's Emma's role. Um, and, and I like mm-hmm. that we, we get to see that because in the other way, like Jace was the leader, you know, Will and Jem were the leaders, you know, James is the leader in the last hours. Um, Cordelia certainly has her own storyline and her own like stuff, but in terms of like the main group of people and who kind of is the one making sure that like the fighting gets done and like the investigation and investigation discovery gets done. Like that's, that's all Emma, which previously in the books, that character type um, has been represented by male characters. So I do really appreciate Uh that. Um, And I, I don't hate Emma and Julian. And I think part of it is like, I I should probably reread the series again because I feel like I might, I might Uh feel differently. Um, it's not that I hate them. It's just that I didn't, I was, I think I was just more interested in the plot because the plot was so much better than the shadow hunters previously. I felt like had been, it was just more complicated and it was very much a mystery. I really liked that. So I was very caught up in the mm-hmm. plot and the side characters were just so good that I was like, I think I was just splitting my attention. And so I wasn't like obsessing about well and there's so many different settings there's you know you you're in los angeles you're in alicante fairy fairy you're in thule you're in like all these different places and i like fairy i like fairy i i don't mind i don't mind thule i don't because because i don't mind like the whole like parallel universe timeline you know different timeline kind of thing i like that it's just i don't want to go through the same motions like with the same, uh-huh. like, I I like the way that like Thule the, was the, set the up. part about that that was good is like Ash being there. Ash was a new character. Ash was yep. a new, like a new what am I trying to say instrument yeah. in it. And then having Livy be there also because yeah. she gets to be her character, like but a different Livy, yeah, a totally different Livy that has a whole different like life and like because of the way that things went, I really liked that that it wasn't just like oh a little bit off. Like, like a, like almost like uh-huh. an episode in yeah, a it TV was completely show. different. You know what I mean? Where like, you'd have like one alternate universe episode. Like it wasn't like that. It felt like, oh no, this major, this major event would have impacted everybody's personality. Uh-huh. And it changed the course of her life and her attitude and her personality exactly. and everything about her. And there wasn't two Emmas and there wasn't two Julians. And she knew that they weren't the same. She knew it wasn't his Julian. So she treated him right. differently sort of thing. Anyway, all that being said, <laughs> we're just, we're just the, digging in. the Janice thing is what bugs me. Oh, yes. And Sydney also did say, quote, I also hate the name Janice. Hate it. All caps. <laughs> well, and even just that character. Like, I just like. It's the worst. Hopefully, like you're saying, hopefully it's a plot device. Mm-hmm. To get the story of Ash. Because that's what I'm interested in at this point. Me too. I love his character. Me too. Like, I want to know everything about him. I want to see everything go. Because I think that he is, like, born and drafted to be one way. But he is completely his own person. And that could change. And I want to see that character arc of his. Whichever way it goes, good or yeah. bad. Um, I don't need to see another Clace obsession. I know. Sort of, like, thing. Right. I don't I I just I was never a fan of like possessed Jace 
or like you know obsessive Jace who's like creepy. I don't. It's not. I don't. Give me a different whatever. But he'll play an important role in Ash and like how that fills into the story. And I am very excited about that. I I can't wait. Give me the Jaime Drew Ash love triangle. I'm ready for it. Give it to me. Even if it doesn't work. I don't care. Dude, it throws me off every time you say that. Because it's because I Jaime. Yeah. Jaime? I know. And Jaime? I say Jaime. Jaime. And I was like, who yeah. is that? Nope. No, it's because I don't I don't have an accent. It kind of sounds like you're saying Hymen. So. No, oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Sydney, for writing. And we really appreciate it. Okay. So now that we've wrapped up last week, let's get into today's topic. Theories. Um, so our our first uh, fan theory is from our Facebook group, uh, from RJ. Uh, let's see. Uh, I see the loophole about Cordelia's fealty to Lilith. A fealty, in my opinion, is made from the heart. She made the fealty to uh, Wayland, uh, not Lilith. So technically, she isn't bound to Lilith. I think maybe Wayland the Smith is going to show up after Cordelia has suffered a while and say, you've proved yourself to be... Uh, to really be my paladin, blah, blah, blah. I think it's an interesting point. I, I do think that that whatever Cord- whatever Cordelia did, she is actually bound to Lilith. Like, like, I don't think that that's, like, a not, like, a valid bond or whatever. I, I think Lilith did the most and, and tricked her and, and got her. But um, I think it's interesting... I could see Waylon the Smith coming, like them going to Fairy to get Waylon the Smith to like battle Lilith for Cordelia's like soul. I don't know, or like uh, barter for it or something. Yeah, like like you like like he's got a problem because she impersonated him to steal to steal someone that would would have been his paladin. Like like it's it's gonna be like a jealous god situation where he's like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm just pissed off because she fucking ruined my name. Like like she That's my sword. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No one touches my fucking sword. <laughs> you little did you know, uh he lives on the eastern seaboard of the United States. <laughs> I just I'm gonna give everybody I'm just gonna give everybody an East Coast accent. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. You touch my sword, you're gonna go down. Do it. I fucking dare you. No, I think um everyone should have a Midwest accent. Midwest. It's still one of my favorites. Minnesota. Um, I don't I guess I, I can't see us ending Chain of Thorns with her still being tied to Lilith. Oh no, I don't think yeah, I think she's she's definitely gonna break it somehow. So there has to be some sort of loophole. And honestly, something with, like, fealty and, and, and stuff, maybe that is something. I mean, like you said, like, my depth on paladins and, and whatever is small. But, <laughs> it's you basically know, surrounded as, with D&D. I'm not in it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that is something, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe who they, knows? They are able to do something like we that. We don't know how that works. Or maybe works. Lilith releases her. I don't know. Yeah, but it'd be cool if Wayland was actually there. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 no. I would like that. I want it, but I want them to like find Wayland, and then like he's gonna make someone in like an extra weapon, like just special. 
I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm just hoping one of our characters rolls a nat 20 and gets a special weapon from Wayland. <laughs> like, are you thinking of him being like um, Peter uh, Dinklage's character on Guardians of the Galaxy? Is that what it is? Yeah. Which one is it? No, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's uh, Endgame, right? Yeah, one of them, yeah. Oh, Where like... he's the 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 giant dwarven uh like uh uh blacksmith. Yeah, because he Swordsmith. um remakes yeah. the um he remakes the weapon for right. Thor. Avengers Infinity War. Oh gotcha. Okay, so I found some fan theories and I don't know about you, Robin, but I think I want to start with Matthew Fairchild. Shall we? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Go on. I knew you wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, so this is a fan theory from Tumblr. Um, the username is VicChan2. Uh, you know how I see Alistar... Oh, fuck. Why do I always say it like that? <laughs> Because it's spelt funny. <laughs> you know how I always... I'm a motherfucking star. <laughs> okay. I see Alistair and Matthew making up and becoming friends. Okay. So in a scenario where Matthew saves Sona and her baby from mortal danger in the next book, uh, Matthew is only... So Matthew's only depressed because he can't forgive himself for what he did to his mother and his unborn sibling. So if Matthew saved the life of a pregnant woman this this time around, he would forgive himself and see himself in a better light. And that would earn Alistair's uh, gratitude and respect in return. And he and Matthew would talk about their problems and per- perhaps start a healthy friendship. Um, love where that's going... I think that you shouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I don't. Right. I, I think Alistair and Matthew may find their way to being like, just chill with each other. Um, but I don't, I don't think Matthew is going to get that nice tied, nicely tied redemption arc bow. Like, I, I just, I don't think, I don't think it's going to go that way for him. What do you think? I don't, um, I feel like she is very pregnant right now. Uh Uh-huh. And they're in Paris, right? Yes. So I just don't know if that that scenario would have time to play out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do know Shadowhunter books tend to happen in the span of two weeks. Right. (laughs) Like the plot in some of them. But I just, I don't know if that whole objective would have time to but I do like it obviously anything that gives him some like yeah peace is I'm down I would that would be cool to see but I don't know if that's gonna happen or not okay so the next uh Matthew one is uh flappy pineapples that's the that's the username <laughs> I thought that was the theory for a second I was nope. like flappy what nope um I fucking love tumblr dude <laughs> it's my jam uh I still haven't abandoned my theory that the reason Matthew is in love with Cordelia is because James is so overwhelmingly in love with her. Ah, 
Interesting. Oh. So the gracelet suppressed his emotions and they were pushed into Matthew as his parabatai. And now that the gracelet is off, Matthew will feel his love for Cordelia diminish over time, but probably never go completely away because he and James are such close parabatai. And that's why this love triangle is not like uh, one we've seen before. Side note, I ship both, both Jordelia and Fairstairs pretty much equally, so I'm not taking any sides in this love triangle. I just want everyone to be happy. <laughs> I feel you. I think that's – I don't know if that's the way it will go, but I think that that would be a genius, like, reason that all of this happened and, like, why all these, like, complex emotions are kind of, like, swirling. I think that that would be really cool, but we haven't really the, the gracelet is really the only like emotion magic. I feel like we've seen right in this world. Like, well, I mean like Magnus was able to take away Julian's emotions. Oh, that's true. That's true. But it was like, it was, it wasn't like, I feel like he couldn't differentiate between Emma and everyone else, Julian just lost his basically humanity. Emotional range. Yeah. Uh huh. Because it was just like, well, you can't pick and choose, so I'm just gonna like blanket you. This was very, very selective. Yeah. For sure. On um, but then again, it also wasn't just tied to James; it was tied to the wearer. So maybe it is right. a little bit more umbrella than I'm thinking initially. Right. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. It depends on what how. The parabatai bond is. So it's like you can feel connected to them. Obviously, you know if something bad happens Mm -hmm. to them. But can you, like, can you share emotions? Mm -hmm. Is that something? Like, because I feel like if you're an empath person, Mm -hmm. you share emotions anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, we know the bond. Like, you can feel things. Like, Julian was coughing up water because Emma was drowning. Like, so we've seen uh-huh. those kinds of things. So Although maybe... their parabatai bond went over the top. So I don't know if a normal true yeah. parabatai bond is like that. Because obviously they, like, their issue was is they were so, they their feelings kept growing and they were so in love that the parabatai right. bond kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And not that Matthew and James don't, love each other in that no. parabatai way i don't think they're like what emma and julian were right so potentially if they were maybe they could do that right Ooh, maybe yeah i don't know interesting i don't know huh that's an interesting theory it is though. it is okay so we've got another another uh matthew uh this is from uh this question is from anonymous um or i'm sorry this theory is from anonymous so um honestly i think matthew getting with a nice uh fey girl or boy would be cute especially if said fey uh breaks him out of the skull of man's like a major badass okay so the first part of that theory is what's gonna happen to matthew everyone's like something bad is gonna happen to matthew um so i'm gonna read you this fan theory first because we're gonna kind of split that one up from anonymous so uh this one from mooney 401 
Um, I'll be honest, I've always been a bit dubious about the Matthew vampire theory since vampires really haven't made an appearance in the series. So I always thought it would be a bit random if they just bumped into vampires and Matthew got turned. But I genuinely have no brains. So I just now realized that Matthew's off to Paris where Charles just pissed off a whole clan of vampires. I really didn't think about that. Uh huh. However, I don't think that Matthew's going to become a vampire because I think he's too charming. I, I think he'd find a way out of that. He is also the consul's like, son. He could get himself out. Right. Because I don't think they're going to just jump him because he's the consul's son. And that would cause a lot of fucking craziness for them. But I think he'd be able to like smooth things over where because where his brother Charles is just like the worst at diplomacy i feel like matthew is the best like i think he'd be great mm-hmm. at that um but but i i did not think about i i do feel like that's probably going to come into play because they did mention it multiple times like will had to go smooth things over like they mentioned it multiple times that there was there was animosity in paris with the vampire clan so i feel like that's probably something that cordelia and matthew are going to address like when uh-huh. when they go in Chain of Thorns. Um, what do you think? Do you think he's going to get turned? Okay, so here's the thing. Because there is also the if theory of using... like, is he going to be a werewolf? I don't know. Because some people like... think he's going to turn into a downworlder. Oh, that's like. Yeah, that that's like a, to... a, an umbrella theory. And then there's all these different like, you know. Stubs. Yeah. On it. I um, so we've heard of Cordelia in future reference uh-huh. to Shadow Hunter stuff, right? Because like I talked about it. Um, oh my god, um, I'm just gonna make a preference here that brain fog is real for me right yeah. now. So if I sound like an idiot, that's why. Um, Katarina Foss, yes, brought her up. We talked about yes. that in a previous episode. Um, we've heard um. James and Lucy before as being like Tessa's children in a bundle. I don't know if we've heard anything about Charles or Matthew before. No. So um, because Matthew is not in the Fairchild um, family tree. Right. That's what I was thinking. Is Charles? Yes. Hold on one second. Yeah. I I can't find it. But um, yeah, Matthew's not in. But again, Family trees aren't necessarily, you know, valid, whatever. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but um, people are saying that that's, that, like, that's the, that's kind of the foundation, the cornerstone of that argument is that, like, somehow he became not a shadow hunter. Which I don't know if, here's the thing. I guess if it's not her opportunity, I can't see even regardless if Matthew got turned. I can't see them, like pulling like a a black family tree and like striking them off of the tree they might not have a choice that's what i was like I, legally I don't they would yeah I, I don't know that they ha- would have a choice i feel like that would be something where charlotte's hands are tied but whose records are these family trees that we're looking at we anyway? don't know they could have been altered by later generations too Right. To erase them or to change things or to go with the narrative of the family versus the reality. Uh-huh. So we don't know. So I guess if that's a strong argument for mm-hmm. it, I just feel like we would have seen 
I guess it, it's like that Tessa thing that we were talking about, right? Like potentially um, the reason Tessa's not in TMI or whatever is because she wasn't thought up as a character right. until right. that. But it's like you'd think like Lily Chin and Matthew would get along. A hundred percent. So you'd think that they would be friends or something like if he was a vampire. Yeah. No, I guess there could be vampires everywhere. So who knows? Right. Well, and they live forever. So it's like, you know, if they go 50 years without seeing a friend, it's not a big deal. Right. But I could just definitely see them being friends. Yeah. Um. So there is the, in Ghosts of the Shadow Market, Um. there's in the story, The Lost World, Um. There's a carving, (coughs) there's the carving that says, um, I did not choose this life 1904 at the Skullamance, Uh right? And so lots of people think that Matthew carved this. I do not. I have a theory of my own. I think that was carved by somebody else. I don't think it's Matthew. I think it's probably, it's either Thomas or somebody else. I don't know. Or possibly Christopher. But I don't think it's Matthew because I like the theory that Matthew ends up in fairy. That's what I. Oh, okay. so the reason I like that theory is because I've been convinced by a crackpot theory on um, on Tumblr. And this is how this is how we do this. This is the life that we live. OK. This is the way we live. Uh, uh. Okay. So this theory is from Queen Lilith 43 on Tumblr. Um, I know that there was actually someone in quote unquote tattered in a, a tattered Edwardian suit in TDA when they were in fairy. <clears throat> also, if the Fairchilds are the fairy family, which I do think I don't think it's ever been like confirmed, but I think there's always been like a suspicion that Clary's family had fey blood somewhere along the lines, just the same as like the Herondales had warlock blood. Um, Ash is technically part of that family of the Fairchilds. I wonder how that part of his heritage will play into the role of the wicked powers. Um, I personally would rather have Matthew have a happy ending in uh, chain of thorns so that all of his friends can be there for him. I kind of want him to have a happy end ending in general, but prefer it happening inside the last hours. Um, so Cassie said that there is a link between the last hours and TDA and the wicked powers, which we, we already know one link, right? Malcolm, that whole thing, which I, I've got some theories that we could talk about there. Um, but I, I do, I have a feeling that Matthew is going to like, somehow that's going to like I could see that happening how Matthew could just like come in and be a a character or a player in the wicked powers well maybe he thinks that like because his like his Mm -hmm. head is like oh I have to punish myself oh blah 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 redempt like not redemption I can't one more time brain fog mm-hmm. so it's like he's punishing himself for what happened to charlotte right and he's living with that punishment or whatever so maybe once he realizes about the gracelet and everything then he's gonna feel bad about 
the thing with Cordelia. Mm-hmm. And so he's to punish himself. He's going to like exile himself to fairy. I think he's going to get captured. I, I, I think somehow I think all of that, those things that you said, all that self-loathing is going to lead to some way of him like giving up and not fighting back or, or like, you know, maybe once he's captured, he just like at some point he's just like rotting away and time works differently in fairy. So we don't know. He might not even know how long has passed or, or whatever. Uh huh. Cause they had the coins or whatever in the dark artifices. Right. Um, okay. And then one last Matthew before we move on. Um, this is from bell keys. Uh, uh, have you or have we truly pondered the fact that our man is just going to be speaking French in Chain of Thorns? Hashtag I love roasting the croissant cracker language, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Matthew gets to speak French. Oh, ooh, ooh, I like. Hi. I like. Mama likey. I love it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know. I could see because the other thing with the Scolamance theory. Yeah. What if um, what if Charlotte kind of sends him there to, as like a rehab for getting rid of like for dealing with his sure. drinking problem? Sure. Uh, no, and and I think that is a yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a valid path that they could take. I don't know who else would, of the characters we've met, mm-hmm. who would go like get sent there maybe maybe if someone like because the thing is thomas's parents are Hmm? thomas's thomas's parents are gideon and sophie gideon sophie i can't see them being like oh you know you're um you've come out to us you you need to go here no i don't i don't think so either i i I don't. don't and i don't see um I don't see that happening with any other character being exiled where they're like, I didn't choose this. I got exiled. I don't think anyone's parents would make that decision, but I think the clave has the power to make that decision. Even with Charlotte in charge. She's not all powerful though. The clave's still a democracy. They still vote. So I, and, and, and when it's like a trial, like, like if they do something illegal, which they've done plenty of illegal things, like, uh-huh. I could see that happening. I gotcha. Because, and especially right now with the Inquisitor, because the Inquisitor, Bridgestock is such a fucking, like, he fucking hates these people. Like, he, he hates our little band. He's like, you guys are fucking up to no good. So if the Inquisitor is, like, going, is out for blood, I mean, Charlotte can only do so much to temper that because he is the Inquisitor. He is the investigator. What do you, what do, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think about maybe, um, don't be there. What do you what do you think about maybe if it's Ariadne? Ooh. Like he sends her there. Mm-hmm. If yeah, he finds I out don't that know. she's trying to like be with Anna. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact because he doesn't like them. Right. Yeah, no, I could I don't remember. I that. could see that. Well, and we know that um Ariadne is going to choose a new name in Chain of Thorns. We don't know what it's gonna be. Because, like, so we know her birth name is uh, Kamala, right? But then they changed her name when she was adopted to Ariadne. It'll be interesting to see who... I mean, we'll definitely find out who it was, but... 
I could see it being I mean, you Christopher. Have to, right? Otherwise, why else have it there? Oh yeah. I mean, it was definitely a, an Easter egg for sure. Let's get into like the whole Malcolm, Lucy, Jesse thing, shall we? So in yes. this is from uh, Livy Heron Stairs on Tumblr. <laughs> In City of Heavenly Fire, Katarina says that something happened to Mag- to Malcolm at the beginning of the last century, and he hasn't quite been right since. That would be uh, that would be during a Chain of Thorns time, since Malcolm was perfectly fine and sane in the first two installments. I think that whatever happened to him might be one of the consequences of him helping Lucy with Jesse, or maybe some other consequence from Lucy helping him with resurrecting Annabelle. See, I think the thing that at the turn of the century that had him change his thing is that he found out that Annabelle was murdered. I I think I think I think the thing that that changed his personality is Lucy telling him because I don't think and and no, he didn't seem like insane right away. But I think that's going to be that that's the the crux. It's going to build. Yeah. But. Um, but it is it is nice to know that that's a confirmation from Katarina because I forgot about uh-huh. that for sure. Um, the next one is from Black Hair and Stairs. Uh, Jesse, Lucy, and Malcolm are going to end up going to Los Angeles together. Hence, Malcolm becoming the high warlock of L.A. and the Blackthorns having control of the Institute there for long enough that they have a long line of family portraits there, including Jesse's. In L.A. Uh-huh. I wonder if... Okay, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I... I like that theory. And I don't... I wouldn't disregard that theory. Now they may not go like all together as like a gang of, of buddies, but I think they'll end up in that place together. I think that's a good kind of deduction of evidence. Do they know that his um, portraits there? Hmm? I think, I think it is. I think that that was one thing that got mentioned that we were like, wait, I thought Jesse was dead. Or it See, could be someone okay, so pretending to be Jesse. We don't know. Okay, so they're saying who do they think goes to Los Angeles? Say it one more time. Um, okay, so Jesse, Lucy, and Malcolm. Go to LA. Yeah. To like resurrect his body. It just says that they'll end up going to Los Angeles together, and that's how the Blackthorns got established in Los Angeles and how Malcolm got established as the High Warlock because they, like, put down okay. roots in the, at the turn of the century in L.A. Right. Well, maybe they have to, like, maybe the clay finds out what they're doing and then they have to flee or whatever because it do- that would tie into that excerpt and that story in Ghosts of the Shadow Market where her kids were in the States. One other option is that, so they're going to Cornwall right now, right? What Uh if it has to do with the ley lines in LA that were such a big focus in TDA? What if that's the reason they have to go to LA? And maybe, maybe they work it in as some sort of like their exile or I, I don't fucking know. 
Because I feel like there's going to be big problems there. Well, you think, like, so in his head, Malcolm's like, oh, my God, they did this to Annabelle, Mm -hmm. right? So I wonder if he's like, he's like, I'm going to bring her back or whatever. And he's like, Jesse will just be my little test subject and we'll see how it goes with him. This is why I'm willing to do this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see how this works. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting take on it because I I do want to know how they all ended up in LA well and the whole Lucy thing let's get into it shall we tell me everything all right hold on okay I have a really interesting one about Lucy which I'm think I'm like I'm so kooky that a lot of these theories make totally total sense to me and I'm like and none of them are compatible but (laughs) I as soon as I read one, I agree with it wholeheartedly. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so this is another one from Mooney four hundred one. Uh, so this is a very crackpot theory, my favorite. Uh, but I've been thinking about what's going to happen to Lucy and Chain of Thorns because there has been some sort of reper- there has to be some sort of repercussions for the necromancy. Uh, there's been several theories about the possibility of Lucy being stripped of her marks and building on from that. I was thinking maybe because she, she won't be allowed to be a practicing shadow hunter anymore. She'll become a warlock. And I was like, wait, what? But in Ghost of the Shadow Market, uh, there's a few references to Ch- Tessa's children and their abilities. They even suggest that Mina can choose. It's really hard for me to say Mina, by the way, because it's spelled exactly uh-huh. like my mom's name. And my mom's name is Mina. <laughs> um, it's even suggested that Mina can choose whether she will be a warlock or a shadow hunter. Um, so that would suggest that perhaps Lucy or James would have had the same choice. And then there's an excerpt from the had book. Had they known they had a choice? Well, there's, I, I don't know. So there's an excerpt from the book that says, um, quote, Tessa said that warlocks choose their own name. If she chose to be a warlock, Mina might choose to be a shadow hunter. So there's another line where Magnus wants to be uh, around when Tessa gives birth. And Aline makes this comment, which I think is a, in reference to Tessa's children not being able to control their magic. And to quote, and to be fair, I think that he feels he should have been there when Tessa and Will had their children, considering. So th- some of the, I mean, like the the point about Tessa saying that Mina can choose whether she wants to be a warlock or a shadow hunter that's pretty blatant um but this this line from Aline is a little I mean it's a reach right it's a it's a, it's very vague so I don't know but this is a long one I apologize no it's okay I'm interested I'm so like I'm invested right? now it's a good one right in, uh-huh. in the modern era, Tessa is able to practice magic, uh, do spells, so it would make sense if her children would be able to as well. We've already seen some of it with James's shadow power and Lucy's necromancy power. Lucy seems to be much more interested in her powers than Jam- James ever was. James always thinks of his abilities as a curse and fights against using them at all, whereas Lucy opens 
<clears throat> whereas Lucy openly uses her powers throughout Chain of Iron. I also think being, quote unquote, being a shadow hunter is a concept that means a lot more to James than it does to Lucy. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh-huh. Um, where am I? Where did I? Oh, uh, Cordelia mentions uh, in Chain of Gold that Lucy worries about her writing going nowhere because she's a shadow hunter and this wouldn't be a problem if she was a warlock. The only thing about this theory is it prevents Cordelia and Lucy from being parabatai. I already don't think that's going to happen. Um, uh-huh. After Chain of Iron, I think their relationship is in a strange place and and Cassie's not really uh, written the breakdown of a potential parabatai relationship before. Although I'd love for them to be parabatai, I think or it might be a bittersweet sort of ending where Lucy and Cordelia are never able to become actual parabatai, but they'll always be sisters. Um, and then they use this quote, uh, Lucy leaned out the open window and blew a, a dramatic, blew Cordelia a dramatic kiss. Good night, my dear. Tomorrow will be Sojeans. It's that weird French word, I think. Um, we will be sisters. Cordelia looked momentarily anxious. Only for a year. No, Lucy said firmly. Whatever happens, we will always be sisters. So Cassie loves to throw shit like that in to like tie into things. So I, I can totally see where this like spider web well, theory when has you come first from. started like sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Let me just talk over you. Is that helpful? No, you're fine. When you first started like saying the theory, I was just like, no, they would know, they would know, they would know, they would know. But then I'm thinking about Tessa, and I'm like, Tessa didn't know. Well, and no one knows that Lucy has power. Well, the thing, like, because I'm just saying, I'm like, well, okay, get this. What do you think? How crazy would it have been if, if Tessa only chose to be a warlock because the dark sisters forced her to use her power and like they like awoke that in her and so like that made her choose because she kept using her warlock power where if she didn't she would have been a shadow hunter i like that that's interesting so then then um the children obviously Mm -hmm. Well, because I think the reason James has such a negative connotation with his stuff is because of how much he got teased. But Lucy never saw that because one, she wasn't she never got sent to the academy. And two, no one knows she has magic. She's kept that well, and we quiet. Also, we also know Tessa didn't really fully envelop and like divulge into her warlock. Yeah. Ness until after Will's death. Yep. So at this point, she hasn't gone to the spiral lab and she hasn't done any research. She hasn't done anything. So her not knowing that as a parent now makes sense than her having Mina, Sensei Mina. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that she knows that because she's been in the spiral lab and she's done all the research and stuff. So now she knows that and she wouldn't have known it then. Yeah, because in in Ghost of the Shadow Market, um, the, the very first time we see Tessa using like warlock magic in the same way that Magnus uses warlock magic with like it coming out of his hands and shit um, is is in Ghost of the Shadow Market when uh, she's helping Alec rescue um, all those uh, downworlders from from the um, the burning thing because they were kidnapped you don't remember 
Well, I mean, I guess she does use it um, when she's healing people, too, when she's a nurse. Right. Um, but that's after Katarina showed her. Like, uh, when... But, like, not, like, battle magic, I You're guess. You're talking about... Is what I'm talking about. Huh? I'm talking about, like, battle magic. Like, using... Because oh, okay. all okay. the way up into that point, even in the flashbacks where she's talking about... You remember the Jack the Ripper demon? That they were talking about uh-huh. when at Tales of the Shadow Hunter Academy, when she came and told them about that. Even in that story, the only power she used was her shape shifting ability. So I think up until that whole time, she was just using her shape shifting ability. She hadn't actually like warlocked up until she started hanging out with Katarina and Magnus and like left the Shadow Hunter side uh-huh. behind. And then in as far as right written. Because there's obviously, we're in that predicament where the the written canon is before, after the timeline, right. but it's not, but it happens out of place yeah. or whatever. So you do see her um, using warlock powers and stuff in Thule, obviously, mm-hmm. um, which is a different, but the same Tessa. Yeah. But it's so, also just after her whole, it's what I want to call Tessa's quote unquote, like first life. Right. Like her awakening. Yeah. It was like it was like she had her first life when she was like born. And then like after everybody in her life died, then she like moved on to being an immortal. Uh huh. I mean, I would love that theory of um, Lucy being a warlock. I just feel like we would have met her or known more about her. You mean Lucy specifically? Like you, we would have gotten yeah. to know more about her if she was going to be a warlock? Yeah. Like in... I feel like she would have played a part in the story thus far further in the timeline. Yeah. But then we wouldn't be able to like, then this, this wouldn't, this book wouldn't really be. I think it's one of those things where like, it's the Tessa after theory sort of thing. Like Tessa wasn't in TMI because she wasn't a character. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I don't. So I feel like she was not written in there specifically because. Mm -hmm. She wasn't a developed character and all this other stuff. Yeah. But I think that's the pass on it. But I would love to see that happen. Dude, for real. Count me in. Well, and just like Tessa being able to have, a, you know, but then, but then, yeah, like, I don't know where's Lucy now, right? She's obviously dead. So mm-hmm. something happened. I don't know. Unless she's not. I mean, like you said, you don't, you never know. I don't. It's also, Tessa's like the only warlock that's had kids. So. Right. That we know of. So there's all that other like learning curve really. Well, and there's also like the, the issue of like, if Lucy chooses, like is, if Lucy chooses to be a warlock, does that mean she can't have kids or because her mom has shadow hunter blood and she has shadow hunter blood that like, she'll just be able to have kids anyways. I feel like she would be I think so, too. But also, that means that fucking Tessa gets her period forever. That's sad. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Dude. Let's let's have a moment of silence for Tessa. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. um, Okay. So, um, Cassie did come out and say that there would be, like, a support. A surprising baby to adopt, quote unquote. We don't know what that means. Someone's going to adopt a baby at some point. 
Um, in Chain of Thorns? Yes. Specifically in, in, or just in, in general? In the last hours. You know, this was something, okay. that, you know, this is going to happen in the last hours. Um, so a lot of people think, like, a, a lot of theories are that, you know, Sona's going to die. Sona, or I can't, I don't know how you pronounce her name. <laughs> um, that she's going to die in childbirth. Cordelia's yeah, mom. Yeah, Cordelia's mom's going to die um, in childbirth. Because at this point, she's like, she's like 53. Um, and at the turn of the century, like, that's a risky pregnancy, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and then, I mean, there's a popular theory that Alistair is going to adopt the baby and raise the baby. And that's how we get our Carstairs line. Okay. Because Alistair has, you know, sworn to never marry and, and have kids and all that. So... If he adopted a kid, then you're like, okay, that's how we get our Carstairs line. Right. Or the new kid could just be a boy. Right. Okay. I don't like that theory because I don't want her to die. So. Oh, I definitely think she's going to die. So there's that. That's a no for me, dog. Don't do that one. Cassie loves a tragic parent story. (sighs) Yeah. Um. Unless, um. Unless Matthew finds somebody to adopt in Paris. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, so this this theory um, is about the, the surprise baby uh, to adopt. And this is from a nar... What? An arm... Oh, an arm... Or <coughs> an armor of words. That took me a long time to sound out. <laughs> It's all one word. It's all lowercase. I don't fucking know which one's a word. Shit. It all runs together. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so uh, about about the surprising baby to adopt. What if it's Alexander? What if something, a.k.a. death, LOL, in parentheses, this person is the devil, um, happens to Gabriel and Cecily and someone has to adopt Alexander? You know, neither Anna nor Christopher are well equipped to handle a child. And though everyone would surely help, maybe uh, Jordelia adopts them. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't see Tessa and Will not taking that kid in. But they're older. That's. I think that Tessa will never die. I don't think that would be a thing. I think they would take the kid. Yeah. I don't know. I don't love, like, I don't love the idea of Cordelia Cordelia and James, like, adopting a kid right away. Like, they haven't even worked out their shit, you know? Uh But. I agree. I could see, like, I could see Alistair adopting his younger brother or sister. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I could see that. And then him and Thomas. (gasps) Oh, we could only hope. We could only hope. <laughs> I mean, I don't hope that his mom dies. No, 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 no. I just, I just really, I want Alistair and Thomas to have a shot, man. They, I just, yep. Thomas is so pure and he just wants to love. And yep. the family tree says he's not going to live much longer. Like, come on, give him something to be happy about, please. Okay, so here are some random, like short theories. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit rapid theory round. Okay, Robin. 
Belial will try to possess a dead body of a silent brother or an iron sister from the iron tombs. Uh, gross. No. <laughs> thank you. I mean, I could see it, but no thank He's you. He's planning some shit. And the iron sisters and the silent brothers are going to be involved. Like, I feel like all of this stuff. So, like, whatever the big battle in the last hours is, I think what they're going to they're they're going to have banished Belial in term. I think he's going to get the third cut or whatever. He's, he's going to get banished or whatever. And then, um, well, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong. There is a scene in the ghost of the shadow market uh-huh. and he is there. Yes. He is not corporeal. He's there in like as like a shadow of him, like he's a projection of him. He can't be like he's not anchored to the world. Okay, okay. Which is why he's like he's like doing his like side stuff and like helping other people because he can't like. So the way I thought in my head, once he gets the third wound, like he can't do anything. Like he's just like he can't possess people. He can't switch worlds he can't do anything he's just bleeding and dying not until he builds back his power so basically like he gets banished to the other realm and then he has to build back his power so at the time that he's in the smoky mountains um that was in the 40 or late 30s Uh uh-huh so i mean he had it hasn't been that much time i mean because i thought it was like i thought it was a thousand years is what i thought it was to to get his full strength back. But like he might have hooked up with another demon and and got a boost or I mean we don't know. Yeah, he got a <laughs> a prince of darkness came up and he had jumpers and so he just jumped me from <laughs> and I took the tone pike down. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the third strike. Just because of that. Oh, okay. And I feel like this is one of those. This is not what you're talking about. It's so fine. I'm sorry. No, just keep. This is this is how we. This is how we do this. I don't know. I just feel like this series is definitely not. Everything's been more um, airy, I guess. Like they have an issue or whatever, and there's an ongoing plot between the three of mm-hmm. them. But they're and like Barbara died, which was sad. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, I forgot about that. But there hasn't been. Yeah, there hasn't been, like, that same amount of, like, and Elias died, but he wasn't a character you liked anyway. I would have cared that Barbara died if we knew anything about her because she was supposed to be a significant character, but. Uh Uh-huh. So I think there hasn't been enough tragedy yet. Oh, I agree. And I think this is one of those stories that isn't going to get a happy ending, and I don't think they're actually going to um, get Belial that third time, which is why he's able to come back in Ghost of the Shadow Market. I think Chain of Thorns is going to be tragic as fuck. There has not been enough death in these two books. Uh-huh. It's been too... And Chain of Iron was full of fan service. It was everything we wanted. And that scares me. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it's like, how is there only one more book? How? It's got to be 800 pages. <laughs> more. More. I'd go a cool 4, thousand. 4,000 pages. <laughs> I did see a theory that, um, so in that short story where um, Belial uh, was talking to Jem and Jem's like, you owe me a favor, right? 
what they the theory is that um that favor will be um he gem helped like get rid of lilith in the last hours and they think that that's going to be like because lilith and belial were up against each other and so somehow he worked out a deal and got a favor from belial and that's where that favor came from is from whatever happens in chain of thorns okay i could see that happening i could see that happening now i don't know if this is true so i did i did find this um the longest for the longest time i believed that jesse would be isolated at the scolamance um and right i did not choose this life on ty's bedroom wall which would make sense because he did not choose to come back uh-huh. Um, however, Cassie apparently recently said that the writing is completely irrelevant to the last hours. I don't think so. I don't believe that for a second. Uh-huh. I don't believe that for a fucking second. It might it might not be relevant to the plot, but it's going to be someone we know. Are you ready for a Christopher and Grace theory? Yes. This is also one I share. I share them all. <laughs> this one is uh, from Dust and Shadows. Um, what if Christopher and Grace invent fire messages together? I'm wholly on board. I, I do think Christopher is going to be involved in creating fire messages. Well, they, they basically say that he does. Yeah. Like he, in the beginning. His, his main goal is to create something useful, and they haven't been d- developed yet. Well, he tries to do a fire message already. Right. Yeah, like the early prototype version or whatever. And he's uh-huh. known for blowing things up. Of course, it would be a fire message. Of course. Right. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So this is the argument for Grace and Christopher together. Um, okay. So Christopher thinks about how interested Grace was in his work when she had visited him in the lab. Um, and about how she will probably never visit the lab again. And it's a shame because, uh, quote, Many great discoveries were made by teams working in tandem. Look at the Curies who won the Nobel Prize. Which made me think, what if they started working together? Maybe because the others are on a mission and Grace is still under informal arrest um, at the consul's house. So maybe she'll uh-huh. she'll get stuck there. She'll We'll, we'll get a, a, a Tessa, Tessa Will thing. Like, they're just in close quarters. Um, they might work together and finally work out what was going wrong with his previous attempts at making fire messages. So I, I, I I definitely think that grace, because grace is very uh, scientifically minded. Um, so I think like, yeah, her uh, just adding her little bit will probably, yeah, I could see that. I dig it. Well, But I also think that Chris or, uh, that Christopher and grace are end game. I'm into it. I dig it. Agreed. It has been. Yeah. <laughs> was that the gavel? <laughs> yeah. Which the thing is for me, it was like when I was first reading that, I was like, they would never like Kit would never be with Grace because of what, you know, she did to James. Mm-hmm. But obviously I feel like she's going to um, be able to have that whole like everything off of her chest with Cordelia and James and everybody. Mm -hmm. And Cordelia is such an empathetic person that I think she would forgive her for sure. I do too. And I think everybody else would. So I I don't think that's an issue anymore. I think the the hardest sell is going to be Matthew. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. 
Okay. So I saved the best for the last when it comes to Chain of Iron spoilers or theories. I saved the Jordelia stuff for last. Because I'm into it. Are you into the Tell Jordelia ship? I, um, I don't, I, um, I kind of feel like <coughs> I, I want it to be that way because I feel like that's what Cordelia wants more. Uh-huh. And they do actually do have feelings for each other and stuff. I don't know. I'm just afraid for Matthew is all. Oh, right. Um, so this is a question that I don't remember. And Robin, you might need to wiki some, do some wiki skills. Um, but this is from uh, Olivia at the end of the lane. Um, do we know what the deal is with the globe necklace James gave Cordelia? This is from page 588 in the hardcover American version of Chain of Iron. Um, quote, he saw that she was wearing the necklace he'd given her, the small gold orb gleaming just above the neckline of her gown. When they were alone, he could tell her the necklace's secret. I literally woke up in the middle of the night wondering about this. Does anyone else have any ideas or theories? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. I don't. I don't. Either. So I don't think we know. Okay. So it says, glimmering gold pendant on a chain. She drew it out of the box of gleaming as she realized what it was. A small round globe, the faint outline of seas and continents etched onto its surface. We've talked so much of travel, James, that I wanted to give you the world. Yeah, but what? Yeah, what's the secret? We don't know what the secret is. Uh huh. For more Jordelia. Okay. So this is um, from Oh No, Too Many Fandoms. Uh, this is a prediction on Jordelia. Um, they will 100% have that conversation, probably a third into the book, which I agree. I don't think that we're going to keep this, you know, weird miscommunication game of phone tag going. Yeah, no. Um, I'm hoping the misunderstandings end there and – or. I'm hoping the misunderstandings end there for them. And the rest of the book is solely spent on plot resolution. But we never know with Cassie. <laughs> anyway, James and Cordelia will figure out everything and overcome every obstacle. James might even be the one to help Cordelia free herself from Lilith. Remember, quote, true love cuts deeper than any blade. Uh-huh. Uh, by the end of the book, they will be together. Hopefully, they'll marry a second time for real, maybe in an intimate cer ceremony, and they'll have their honeymoon in Constantinople in the epilogue. Epilogue. I like that. I'd be, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I don't think they're going to drag it out. I think that I think that this is a very um, silver lining uh, theory of what's going to happen. <laughs> Um, uh -huh. but, but I don't disagree. I, I think that James and Cordelia are end game and like all of our couples, they'll end up together. Like, uh -huh. I don't think that there's going to be any big, crazy upset twist or anything like that, but there's going to be a lot of pain involved, I'm sure. And I think that plenty of people are going to die. I think we're going to start because listen, the whole five named characters that we know are going to die in chain of iron. And it's all bullshit people that no one cares about. Like, I mean, we cared about Barbara, I guess, but only because we cared about the people that cared about her, not because we cared about her as a character. Right. 
So this is the last uh, theory that I have. Um, this is from Fair But Wild Child. The best possible ending for Charles would be to become consul, to get what he always wanted and slowly realize that it means nothing, to regret everything that he lost and what he could have had if only he weren't so la- laser-focused and ambitious. As Cordelia would say, the, il- the illusion of everything he ever wanted, but in the wrong way. And someone else responded to this, but uh, it looks, I don't have their name. Um, it says, ooh, I like this. The cruel irony of him getting what he wanted so badly, yet it feeling like a loss in the end. Charles has many good qualities, but he's by no... M- He's by no means any antagonist. He's ambitious. And I do believe he loves his family and doesn't actually mean to hurt people. But one thing's for sure, Charles is self-absorbed as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I think we can all agree. Yeah. So two endings make sense for Charles since she's not going to kill him, I don't think. Um, I don't think so either. He either becomes consul and hates it and realizes he's wasted a lot of his life chasing an ideal Um, of himself and that he's not meant uh, that he's not meant to be just like the previous person had said or it's that he screws up completely and basically will never be elected consul because the screw up slash stained name in that case it'd be a tragedy for him uh, but he'd eventually eventually learn to appreciate other things in life that life has to offer I don't know like see I really feel like Charles like the thing that happened in Paris is like Charles's MO because he is so self-absorbed and he's such a fucking arrogant asshole that like he can't put his ego aside to have like to be a diplomat I I really don't Uh think he'll be voted consul specifically because like he doesn't have the charisma like he doesn't have that quality I could see him I could see him being one of those uh DB douchebag um inquisitors Ooh, yeah i mean like all the inquisitors we've met have been jackasses so uh-huh the thing is i don't think that okay he's how old is he he's older obviously yeah he's he's older i mean i think him and alistair are fairly close in i would say early 20s uh-huh but they're not like 15 no. or whatever I think he's well established himself, and I think he likes the way he is. I agree. I think he does. I don't know if he is going to get that redemption of being like, oh, I wish I would have. No, I think blah, blah, blah. I think he's. I think Charles is. um, He's got that smartest man in the room syndrome where Uh like he just he can't put aside his ego long enough to learn. So, which is crazy because of the way Henry and Charlotte are, but Henry, I'm ass- okay. I'm assuming mm-hmm. what happened was Henry's so into obviously his inventions and mm-hmm. stuff and just like whatever. Charlotte was busy running the clave. I don't know how much of a job they did parenting them that way. Yeah, maybe. Which is not uncommon for no. Edwardian time period anyway. No, so it's not like they weren't. You know, there was always a nanny or yeah. something. Well, and it's not like um, it's not like Charles and Matthew don't have fond feelings towards their parents. They they do. I mean, they you know, yeah. it's not like they were bad parents or anything. But yeah, I don't know that they necessarily saw a lot of that like 
those values in terms being practices because I, I don't think I think you're right I don't think they saw their parents a lot for that that to be like for them to catch the the little things to like you know mold uh-huh. a little person into like you know as soon as they start thinking like paying it enough attention to like kind of steer them in that direction well, I also think that there is um a little bit of what am I trying to say humility I don't know if that's the right word but a little bit of something else that comes from being in a position where you need to you're um, disenfranchised or you need to work harder or whatever and obviously Charlotte had that in her yeah I think life yeah I I think Charles was definitely um you know he's definitely entitled and he was a privileged Uh kid he didn't have one, there were not a lot of demons around when he was a baby, really all the way up until now, right? So it's not uh-huh. like he, he was tried by, you know, fire like the rest of the shadow hunters, like from, um, you know, the infernal devices. You know, they were all like uh-huh. battle weary at 16, whereas like that's not them. He's been playing this political game. And so I think, I think his mom being the console and his dad kind of being a joke of the clave. And he's always been Henry's always been kind of a joke of like the butt of the joke for the, the clave. Um, uh-huh. So I think Charles personality developed more at school than uh-huh. from like necessarily at home. I, I feel like very much in the same way that like James became introverted and like, I mean, he was already introverted, but like he became more so like bottled up and afraid of his powers and stuff because he got made fun of and, you know, those kinds of things. I think that like Charles, his his mom being console meant he was untouchable, meant he was privileged. And then now now he has that like pompous ass vibe. Mm -hmm. He's he's just he's just the guy from 10 things I hate about you. The model guy. That's like, I have a photo shoot tomorrow, Bianca. <laughs> like, that's who I think of. <laughs> okay, and there's nothing saying that you can't not act like that if you have money and you're privileged and everything like that. Oh, can, no, 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 for know. sure. But, like, just given, yeah. like, the era, the way social hierarchy yep. was looked at and, you know, those kinds of things. Taking all that into account. Yeah, I can see how he would be like, I'm hot shit. Because my mom's, like, the uh-huh. top cop. Yeah. Well, then obviously there were rumors around um, their family. Yeah. Because obviously of what happened with Matthew and stuff. So, I mean, that wasn't just Alistair being a dick, but yeah. But uh-huh. I mean, it's not uncommon because, yeah, again, Henry's always been a joke to the clave. Like, because uh-huh. they don't value things like science and they don't value things like medicine and like shit because they, they think that's beneath them because it's mundane. Uh-huh. Yeah. Except they'll use the shit out of their portals. Right? <laughs> um, We know they use fire messages a lot when it gets Right? There. So, 
Robin and I talked, we're going to split this episode into two. So this episode we covered Chain of Thorns and, and Last Hours theories. Um, and next week we're going to cover the Wicked Powers theories. Because um, otherwise this would be four hours long. And we've got other things to do. <laughs> so if you have Wicked Powers theories, send them to us. Do it. And if we miss something, we if we you. missed a theory of yours from the last hours, let us know. Write us in. Write into us. What? <laughs> Write us yeah. in. Write us into the ballot. Yeah, do it. God, no. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> oh, all right. Do you have anything else? To, do you have any theories? Um, No, just an apology. Usually... um. Uh, I will say this one more time. My brain fog is real right now um, and I'm not functioning at 100%. Although I don't feel like a dumpster fire anymore. I'm not, I'm not at 100. Mm-hmm. So sorry that I might come off a little flat. I feel, I promise it's just because I feel kind of crappy. You have nothing to apologize for. It's good. You're amazing. I can't, I can't believe you, you're still recording today. You're amazing. It's good. Oh, all right. Anything else? No? No. All right. We'll see you next week for episode 96. Bye. Bye.